Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode 308 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel where you are watching me right now. As always, I remind you guys, make sure you subscribe, make sure you click that notification bell, make sure that you uh, get the thumbs up, hit that thumbs up, all right? If you're watching, you enjoy the show, make sure that you hit that thumbs up. And uh, if you missed the live video, no worries. You guys always know you can catch the audio podcast on podcast platforms around the world. Just look for the Neutral Corner, Montero Unboxing. You'll find me. And we appreciate those ratings, those reviews, all that good stuff. This is a word of mouth show. We don't do ads here. And believe me, I can make plenty of money doing ads. I've had offers. I always turn that down. I don't want to bombard you guys with 10 minutes at the very beginning of the show with a bunch of ads. My ask, my fee that I require for you, from you, I should say, is uh, just to spread word of the show, man. You know, um, if, you, if you guys enjoy uh, the show, just tell one of your friends about it. Every week, tell somebody about it. Post it on your social. Get the word out. That's how we get this thing going, man. Uh, if you want to help out directly, you can go to a link at the bottom of the screen, MonteroUnboxing.com. And there, of course, you can check out Montero Unboxing t-shirts. We got them in a variety of colors, and they're oh so comfortable and stylish. You can also uh, you can also donate to the show if you'd like to. A uh, bunch of you guys have uh, in the last couple of weeks, and we, we sincerely appreciate that. You guys know I take every dime we get and put it right back into the technology and everything of the show. And of course, you know, hey, it costs money to uh, get these phone lines going and everything else, right? We got toll-free calls in the United States and in the UK. The numbers are right behind me. By the way, guys, um, as I mentioned before, this is TNC 308 for the week of April 9th. We we're about to kick off a loaded schedule, right? So we got a lot to preview today. <clears throat> if I sound a little stuffy, and uh, if my voice isn't uh, as energetic as usual, it's because I am freaking dying from allergies right now. The uh, the pollen has officially dropped here in Atlanta. Every year around this time, it's like the first week of April usually, everything starts to bloom, all the pollen gets out in the air, and there's just a yellow film on top of everything. And uh, it's just... It, it drives me crazy for a few days. And then I, my body adjusts, it rains and washes it all away. We're good. But right now I am struggling to breathe. Uh, it's getting better every year. I've lived here for a few years now. You guys got to remember, man, coming here from, from LA where there's zero pollen, right? There's zero vegetation. It's basically the desert. It's the Mediterranean climate. Coming here where it's basically a swamp uh, in, in the summertime Man, when that pollen drops, that 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 first few days, it just sucks. It's getting better every year, but it pretty much whoops my ass for a few days. So anyway, that explains if I sound a little stuffy and if I'm breathing heavy through my mouth, <laughs> it's because I can't freaking breathe. My nose is so clogged up right now. <clears throat> I'm trying, man. I've been drinking fluids and, and hot tea and all that good stuff. Anyway, uh, Aaron with the Super Chat already. I can tell Aaron's pumped for the big, big fights this weekend. Uh, thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate it, brother. He says, hey, Mike, tickets for George Cambosos versus Devin Haney are essentially sold out. Will promoters start looking at Australia as a venue given all the advantages? And he says, hot women, weather, first world, et cetera, here. Uh, well, those are all very good advantages <laughs> over there in Australia. Reminds me of uh, L.A., although uh, you guys are not taxed as heavily. Anyway. Um, I, well, listen, they're going to go there when fights make sense, okay? 
George Cambosos is a highly accomplished Australian fighter. Uh, he, he went over and won the unified, I would call it undisputed, but I'm not getting into that argument, the unified legitimate lightweight championship of the world when he beat Tiafima Lopez last year. And so that made him a bonafide star, man. Of course, <clears throat> a fight with him and Devin Haney or him and Lomachenko, whoever, is going to do big business over there. And there's this other guy, maybe you heard of him, Tim Zhu. Eh, maybe you heard of him. He's already doing big business over there as well. So if you've got the fighters, yeah, of course promoters are going to come there. Why the hell wouldn't you? Look, George Cambosos and Devin Haney here in the United States would struggle to sell 10,000 tickets. That's the truth. That's the truth. Over there, it's doing tens of thousands of tickets very, very rapidly. And uh, there's going to be a, a lot of secondary market sales. That's what a lot, a lot of people that gobbled up the tickets first, uh, where it goes, uh, these ticket uh, dealers and stuff. There's ticket brokers, I should say. But um, yeah, man, there's going to be fights there if you've got the fighters. Listen, we've got a couple big fights coming up in Japan, right? One this weekend, but one coming up in a couple months because the fighters are from Japan. So as I always say, this is a global sport. And the fights are going to go where the fighters are at. And it just doesn't make sense a lot of times um, when there's an American fighter fighting a star from another part of the world. You know, in decades past, that fighter from the other part of the world would usually, almost always, be willing to come to the United States because there was more money here. That's not the case anymore. It's the case sometimes, sometimes, but not all the time. So uh, listen, man, you guys are going to get more fights down there. And by the way, Australia, that's one of those countries I have to go visit at some point in my life. I mean, there's a million places I want to go see. And unfortunately, the way I grew up, you know, we weren't able to do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and now as an adult, um, you know, I can do that stuff um, a little easier. Although, you know, if I ever finish this freaking house, but, um, you know, me and my wife at some point, we will start traveling and checking out different parts of the world. Uh, COVID made that a lot harder. We were actually planning on doing some of that in 2020 and then boom, the world shut down. But anyway, we're not going to talk about any of that stuff. We've got boxing to talk about. Isn't it nice that we have nothing but boxing to talk about on this episode? I feel like the schedule has been so thin and there's been so much fuckery that a lot of times on, on the podcast and stuff, we end up talking about all sorts of other stuff because there's just not enough boxing going on. Well, that's not the case over like the next month. This weekend, there's a bunch of fights and then it kicks off really a great quarter. The whole second quarter, April through June, we've got plenty of great stuff to look forward to, man. So I'm loving it. This is when being a fight fan, when the schedule looks like this, it's just so fun, man. It's more fun than, than any other sport, in my opinion. And I'm a, I'm a sports guy. I love sports, but nothing beats boxing when you've got a schedule like this, dude. All right, <clears throat> let's get into some quick news and notes. Hopefully my throat holds up. Oh, this pollen. By the way, you know, I washed my car this weekend because I'm like, I got to get this damn pollen out of my car and off of it. I washed my car spotless. I scrubbed it. The wheels, I mean, it looked, it looked great, right? The, it, it, the Jeep looked good. I cracked the windows an inch when I was driving. So me and my wife went to get lunch. And uh, pollen got inside the damn car from driving down the highway with the windows cracked an inch. There's already pollen in my damn car. <sighs> Freaking pollen. Anyway, all right. 
news and or notes. Uh, not a whole lot to talk about, but some interesting stuff. So, so look, I talked about Japan a minute ago. Of course, we got the big one this weekend, but rematch between Naoya Inoue and Nonito Donaire, June 7th, same venue that Triple G Mirada is taking place. So Saitama is, uh, I think, a, um, a suburb of Tokyo, right? So, so that market right there, I mean, Tokyo, I, I believe, is the number one market in the world. People in America are like, wait, I thought it was L.A. I thought it was New York. No, there's this place outside of America called the world. And some of those cities over there in the Far East make our cities look tiny, bro. And I want to say Tokyo is the number one market on Earth, maybe number two. It's right there. Anyway, it's a massive, massive place. So if we get more boxing out there in Tokyo, that's a great thing. And now you got a couple of really, really great fighters, um, or at least big stars, you know, in a way, I really do think is a pound for pound level fighter. I wouldn't put Murata there, but he's a huge star. Anyway, in a way, Adonair, their first fight was outstanding. They're doing a rematch June 7th, same venue as uh, Golovkin Murata. I think that's awesome. I think it's smart to go right back to that same venue and uh, start to kind of build a brand of boxing there where, where fans in that part of the world can know, hey, you know, maybe once or twice a year, there'll be a big event here that we can watch. And, you know, that's something that they can kind of keep in the back of their mind. That's how you start building things, man. But that first fight was outstanding. Donaire really, I mean, a lot of people thought he was going to get his head knocked off in that fight, right? And he almost did get stopped at one point with a body shot. He was badly hurt. But in a way, he went through hell in that fight. And I remember telling people, because a lot of people, again, they thought this was going to be a domination. I said, in a way, hasn't fought anybody like Donaire yet. Donaire's been in there with much bigger, heavier guys, very experienced. He's going to give Inoue a really good fight, and this is going to be one of those proving ground type of matchups for Inoue that's going to make him a much better fighter. Now, I didn't anticipate as good of a fight as we got. I didn't anticipate that Donaire's orbital bone would be fractured, but pretty much my prediction was spot on that Donaire gave this outstanding fight. In the rematch, though, I tend to I just I have a gut feel that Inoue learned so much from that first matchup that he's going to be even better in this rematch and really show us his levels. And I actually like him to decisively defeat Donaire in this rematch. That's just my initial gut feel. But hey, we got two months before we preview that one, okay? That's just my gut feel up front. All right, also uh, PBC with a smart signing here. Uh, they signed undefeated welterweight Rashidi Ellis, 23-0, and coming off that great win in his last fight against previously undefeated Alexis Rocha. Uh, did not fight at all in 2021. Uh, contract issues, I don't know what was going on there, but um, he was with Golden Boy Promotions. You don't really see the fit there. Golden Boy is kind of on the outside looking in that division. He goes over to PBC now. He's going to have a million opportunities. So this is a smart signing by PBC and a smart signing, of course, by Rashidi Ellis, who's a good fighter. He can fight, man. So um, that's going to lead to some interesting matchups over on that side of the street, which is good. Okay, fight review. Um, not a whole lot to talk about, but there was something of note that took place last weekend. Saturday, April 2nd, over in England, Savannah Marshall defends her, uh, what was it, middleweight? Yeah, I want to make sure I get that. Third defense of her WBO middleweight title with a KO3 win over Femke Hermans, who, um, look, 
no one's going to call this woman elite. Herman's is a, I, I would say, journeyman level fighter. I mean, in, in women's boxing in the 160 pound division, she's probably a top 10. But the talent pool north of 147 in women's boxing is just not very deep. There's some good fighters, but not enough of them. Anyway, Femke Herman's experienced, been in there with, with other top fighters, but I would put her, we'll say B-level opponent, okay? Uh, so I'm not, a lot of people went nuts over it. And I retweeted the knockout. It, it, was a, it was a fantastic counter left hook from Marshall, uh, knocked Herman's out cold, just absolutely out before she even hit the canvas, okay? And I, the, the first thing, well, I should mention, uh, Marshall is now 12-0 and 0 with 10 knockouts. She has 10 stoppages. Now, were all 10 of those one-punch knockout type of stoppages? No. Their accumulation, retirement, that sort of thing. But she does have several legitimate knockouts on her record. She does. I should also mention that Hermans fought Clarissa Shields back in 2018 and took Shields the distance, lost every minute of every round, was completely shut out, but she did go the distance. And she had never been stopped prior to this fight. She had lost, I think, a couple times. But it was by decision. She had never been stopped, never had been seriously hurt that I know of. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong on that. So I retweeted that. And just, you know, when I retweeted the uh, video of the knockout, those of you who follow me on Twitter, you saw it. I just said, well, you don't see this every day because you don't, you know, and, and it got people buzzing. There wasn't a whole lot of boxing last weekend. So that was kind of the, uh, the video or whatever that went viral over the weekend, right? And of course, immediately... Uh, I want to say uh, Clarissa Shields was there. Um, and either way, Savannah Marshall called out Shields after the fight. And now, apparently, that's going to happen later this year. Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall. Um, Marshall is the only woman to ever beat Shields. That was in the amateurs. And to be clear, Shields was just a pup. She was just getting started. She was young. She was basically a teenager. And Marshall was a grown woman. So I don't put too much stock into that win. I think a lot of people, um, some of you guys overrate some of these amateur wins. It, a lot of times it's about when the fighters fought. Because you can have situations where a 17-year-old is fighting a 25-year-old. Or you can have a situation where even if it's two 18-year-olds, but one started boxing at 13, one started boxing at 17. So, so the amateurs, you know, th there's a lot of different variables. Anyway. It is notable that Marshall, look, both of these, both of these women, Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields, both have 12 professional boxing matches. They're both 12 and 0. However, Clarissa Shields has two stoppages. Neither of them, neither of them were true stop, you know, knockouts. They were, they were just stoppage wins. So she essentially has no knockouts. And I believe Shields has one knockdown. Again, you guys could, <coughs> could correct me if I'm wrong. She has one knockdown, and she's been knocked down once herself, right? And Shield stands at five foot eight. Marshall is five foot eleven. Marshall does have a little bit of a psychological edge in the fact that she did beat Shields once in the amateurs. <clears throat> so there was a lot of people talking on Twitter about this potential matchup because it would be one of the most anticipated matchups of women's boxing history. I wouldn't put it up there with Serrano and, and Taylor skill wise. I don't think pound for pound they're on that that level of skill, but it, it's close. It's actually close. So <clears throat> I think some of you are getting a little caught up in the moment here. 
uh, with Marshall knocking out this woman. If you look at Marshall's record and you look at Clarissa Shields' record, neither has fought a murderer's row of opposition, okay? And to be clear, Shields has fought at 68, 160, and 154. So she's fought in three different divisions. And of course, she's stepped over into MMA for a couple of fights. So she's kind of been a little more squirrely with what she's done. Marshall has kept it just real simple and consistent, right? Just everything at 160, basically. She, I, there might have been a catch weight here or there, but basically 160 and sticking to boxing. She's been boxing for a long time, for most of her life. So they both have a very different approach. However, Shields has fought the better opposition. She just has. And again, I'm not trying to say Shields has fought anywhere near the level of opposition as a Katie Taylor or somebody like that, but she's definitely fought better opposition than Savannah Marshall. So Savannah Marshall's knockout record looks great because that's exciting and that's what gets fans talking. And the fact that Shields went the distance with uh, Femke Hermans and Marshall destroyed her in three rounds and literally concussed her, flattened her. Um, that looks impressive, but you guys got to forget about all that. When you look at a potential matchup between these two opponents, what matters the most is their experience level, their skills level, and how their styles mesh together. I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, Oh my God, Marshall is just going to flatten Clarissa Shields. She's going to just knock her out and, you know, four or five, six rounds. And then I saw some other people saying that Shields is going to flatten Marshall. I think all of you are wrong. I think that that's a really competitive fight. And I think that it's a fascinating matchup of styles. Shields would pose the toughest test of Savannah Marshall's entire pro career by far. She hasn't fought anybody on that level. Pretty much at middleweight, there are two elite fighters, right? If we're going to consider Clarissa Shields a middleweight, there are two elite middleweights in women's boxing. It's these two women. That's it. It's Marshall and Shields. I never thought much about Christina Hammer. I thought that was a lot of hype. If you want to consider her an elite level fighter, maybe, but I, I don't, I never thought she was a pound for pound level type of fighter. I just didn't. I thought she was overrated. Um, so I just don't rate her on that level. Good fighter, legitimate A level world class fighter, but I just, I wouldn't call her elite. Uh, it's two of them. That's it. So if and when this fight truly does happen and it gets announced, we'll dive deeper into it. But just on first glance, guys, I'm telling you right now, Clarissa Shields is going to be the favorite. She's going to be the betting favorite on the opening lines. Now, the lines might change. They might even up. The British money is going to move later on that potential fight. It's going to change the odds that we get to fight and all that good stuff. But up front, that, that's, that's a damn close fight, and I see a distance fight between the two of them. And who knows, they could end up fighting three times or something and really creating a rivalry, which is what Shields has been begging for, right? Um, and this is her chance. But up front, Shields is going to be the betting favorite. And I got to be honest, guys, she should be. She's fought the better fighters. Not by much, not by a whole lot, but she's fought the better fighters. And we could get into the conversation about, well, how will Marshall's power affect this fight and all that sort of stuff? We could talk about those things, right? Um, and we'll get into that later on. But I'm just telling you up front, everyone needs to slow down just a little bit, just a little bit uh, with the knockout stuff. Edgar Berlanga, 
Okay, and I'm not trying to compare Savannah Marshall's situation to Edgar Berlanga, but we, we've had this conversation before. That's why I bring up Berlanga. All right, we've had this conversation before. So again, not exact comparison, but just, just to put that in your guys' minds. Slow down with the knockout stuff because styles make fights. All right, a super chat pledge from OJ22. Thank you so much, OJ. He says, uh, is Donaire still doing 365 PEDs testing? I've watched his whole career, and what he's done in the second half of his career has been incredible. Thought he was done after the Axeman KO loss. Uh, well, dude, I, I was ringside for that Axeman KO loss, and I thought the same thing. But you got to remember something. That was at featherweight. Donaire, for several years, was fighting above his, his natural weight, and he was doing that to make more money. He was doing that to get fights. Uh, there are several reasons why he was doing it, but him moving back down to 118 and kind of cleaning some things up uh, with his lifestyle in between fights and, and kind of living it more like a, the 365 lifestyle of a fighter. And his wife, Rachel, has been instrumental in that. Once she kind of took over management for him, um, she's helped keep him really, really focused, right? Uh, I think that's a, a big reason for this uh, resurgence, this second half of his career, if you will, where he's looked so great after struggling for a few years guys weight classes matter and in this business uh living living the life 365 you know 365 days a year makes a difference it can really prolong your career especially in this era where you fight once or twice a year fighters and you know back in the day by the time they were in their mid-30s they were shutting down they were breaking down uh but they were also fighting seven eight times a year now these guys fight once or twice a year. So if you take care of your body, you can fight long, long into your 40s if you're a great fighter, which Donair is. But for, yeah, for a dude that's that small to be fighting this long, uh, it's pretty impressive. I can tell you this, man. As far as I know, Donair, his offer to do 365 testing and everything with Vada is still going. As far as I know, he's still doing the testing. But I haven't talked to him about it. It's something I could ask him about. Maybe as we get closer to that fight, uh, I could do that. I could talk to them. And just, uh, that might be, it might be cool just to have them on the show. <clears throat> All right, let's do this loaded preview, guys. If I can get through this, and then we can get to some calls. And then, uh, I don't know. I could drink some more tea because my throat's killing me. For those of you just getting on the show, I live in Atlanta and everything's blooming here. The first week of April, everything blooms, all the flowers, all the trees, and there's pollen everywhere. There's just a yellow film over everything, my whole house. And so uh, my nose is basically shut right now. I can't breathe because of the pollen in the air. It sucks, but it only lasts a few days. It'll rain. I think it's supposed to rain tomorrow or Wednesday. It's like supposed to thunderstorm. All that will wash away and we'll be good. I'll be good by this weekend. But right now, whew, it sucks. All right, uh, this Saturday, April 9th, we have all kinds of fights all around the world, okay? So let's start with, I'm going to cover four different cards. I'm going to start with the least important to the most important. How about that? Uh, top rank has a card in Costa Mesa, California. This will be broadcast on ESPN. In the main event, Michaela Mayer is going up against Jennifer, Jennifer Hahn. Uh, and this is, Mayer is defending her unified junior lightweight or super featherweight uh, belts. 
She has the IBF and the WBO. It's 130 pounds. Um, what I don't get is how Jennifer Hans in this fight. She's coming off a loss to Katie Taylor. So she's coming off a loss. Look, man, um, Michaela Mayer is a is a skilled fighter. I'm not really just I'm just not really a huge fan of hers. I kind of see her a little bit like Clarissa Shields. This is no I don't mean this disrespectfully. She she just has a really off-putting personality, and her style as a fighter isn't particularly exciting. Uh she's kind of <clears throat> abrasive and polarizing on social media and stuff. And um I can bring up a bunch of examples, but I'm not going to do that. And, and then she just doesn't have the most exciting style. She doesn't get knockouts. She doesn't really punch with power. She's pretty much a one-two girl. That's just how she fights, one-two. And that's fine. It works for her. But um, I'm just not really that interested in watching her fight. You know, I, I'm just not. Until she can get in there with somebody that can really pose a real, real stern challenge. But top rank is all in promoting her. You know, I compared her to Clarissa Shields, and there's plenty of comparisons between the two of them in terms of their personality and everything. The difference is Michaela Mayer does better with media um, when she's on script and everything, and it's not live. And she also, um, she's an attractive woman. Now, me personally, I don't think she's as good looking as like Alicia Baumgartner or um, some other women, uh, Ebony Bridges or... Or uh, Sinicia Estrada, I think, is a good-looking woman. Um, even Jessica McCaskill, I just, I just don't think Michaela is as good-looking as those girls. But she's, a, she's an attractive woman, certainly more attractive than Clarissa. And I'm not saying this to disrespect Clarissa. I'm just saying, in terms of marketing, this stuff helps, right? So Top Rank has something they feel, and they're pushing this, and she's headlining. Man, this is a, this is a um, main event. So uh, she's headlining a main event on ESPN, and I don't think this is the first time. So good for good for her, but it's just it's, I'm probably not going to be watching this. I'm probably going to be watching these other fights. All right, uh, Golden Boy Promotions has a show at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. This, of course, will be broadcast on the Zone. It is the return of Ryan Garcia, twenty-one to zero with eighteen knockouts, going up against uh, Emmanuel Tago, born in Ghana, thirty-two and one, fifteen knockouts. Uh, Tago lost his pro debut, actually by stoppage, and has not lost since. He's reeled off 32 straight wins, did not fight in 2021, which is interesting enough. And for what's interesting, this is a lightweight fight, of course, 12 rounds. Uh, I think there's an interim belt or one of the 8,000 belts is on the line, but it's not a real belt, so we're not even going to mention it. This is kind of seen as a comeback fight for Ryan Garcia because he was supposed to fight last summer said that he was having mental issues. So he pulled out a week or so later, we see selfies of him hanging out on the beach with one of his baby mamas or his latest girlfriend. Certainly wasn't in some private doctor's office working on his mental stuff. He was just kind of out partying and enjoying life. So it's really, really difficult to know who Ryan Garcia is and what to expect from him as a fan. He's a young kid. He's really, really had it his way a lot because to go back to my Michaela Mayer thing, uh, Ryan Garcia is a good looking dude, right? Um, he, he's a good looking kid. If some women, like my wife, I'll just tell you guys, like me and my wife, you know, I've asked her and she goes, yeah, not my type. He's too much of a pretty boy, but there's a lot of girls out there that like that feminine kind of pretty boy look. And Ryan Garcia is that. And so he's very marketable 
if, you know, for that kind of thing. Um, so he, he's popular and people everywhere he goes, people want to take pictures and be nice to him. So he's kind of had, he's used to having things his way and he, he lives in a social media world. He blasts his whole life on social media, right? Um, TikTok and, and all these other ones where he's got millions of combined followers. And because of that, he lives in a space where he's constantly getting his ego struck, stroked. His, his ego is constantly being stroked. And he's being told how beautiful he is and how great he is and all this good stuff. The problem is he has to perform in the real world. And I think last year when he was set to go up against, I think it was Jorge Linares, I believe it was, it was going to be his toughest test to date. And was it Linares or am I mistaken? It might have been somebody else. Either way, he was going to be in his toughest fight. And I think some of the mental pressures of the real world stuff, because once you leave that social media bubble, that kind of, I don't want to call it a fake world because, I mean, it's kind of real, but it is kind of fake. And then you go into real life where you have to perform. That shit's difficult. Uh, oh, Javier Fortuna. Thank you, Alexander. It was Javier Fortuna, guys. I'm sorry. I said Jorge Linares. Thank you for correcting me, man. Um, but but that's the fight he pulled out of. Uh, Fortuna's no joke. You know, he's a good fighter. And I just wonder sometimes when when Ryan Garcia has to step up and perform in real life outside of that social media bubble, outside of that celebrity culture where he's constantly being just told that he's awesome, he's great, and all he really has to do is show up and look pretty, um, can he handle it? And part of me thinks he can, and he's just had a few roadblocks, a few you know stumbles along the way, which we all have. Or part of me wonders if he can't. Part of me wonders if... Because listen, guys, at some point, years from now, Gervonta Tank Davis and that team, believe me, they eventually, they're going to make the matchup with Ryan Garcia if they're both still undefeated, or even if Garcia loses a couple times but goes on a winning streak. They're going to do the math over there at Team Tank, and LRB and that whole group is going to decide, well, the risk and reward scenario right now is, is where we want it to be. Let's do this fight. Let's charge $120 for pay-per-view. You know, they're going to do that. It, that's, and they're going to try to market it as this generation's Mayweather-Pacquiao. I'm telling you right now. Tank, I'm confident. Now, am, am I confident that Tank is going to have the experience fighting elite-level fighters to get in there against an elite-level guy and perform? Probably not. But his mental makeup, his emotional mental makeup, I do have faith in. Ryan Garcia? I don't know. So that, that's just where I'm at with this kid. I just don't know what to make of him. But they, in, in Tago, they got a guy that uh, doesn't hit very hard, will go rounds. Fighters from Ghana are tough as hell. They're pound for pound among the toughest fighters in the sport in terms of their durability. Most of the time, these guys are durable as hell. So Garcia is going to be in there with a guy built to go the distance, but not built to hurt him. Give him rounds, make him look good. Garcia is going to be way faster, more athletic, all of it. Taller, prettier, longer, straighter punches. So I would bet the over, and I would think that maybe Garcia can stop him late. Now, look, I might be wrong. Garcia might ice the guy in three rounds, and I would be thoroughly impressed. But my hunch is that this probably goes rounds. It, it might go the distance, or it at least goes into the later rounds. That's just what I see. Also on this card, um, 
a women's flyweight title unification between Marlon Esparza, who has the WBC belt, and Naoko Fujioka from Japan with the WBA belt. So that's cool that you're getting a title unification there. And it's smart that they put uh, Marlon Esparza down there in San Antonio. I think the crowd's going to love that. Also, fan favorite Gabriel Rosado going up against Shane Mosley Jr. That's going to be fun. So that's a fun little card there from Golden Boy Promotions. Nothing substantial, nothing huge, but fun, fun matchups that I think the crowd down there in San Antonio will enjoy. All right. Um, one other, oh no, I'm sorry, two other, two other cards. I just want to make sure I'm not missing a super chat or anything. It looks like we're good. Okay. Going to Las Vegas, the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. It is PBC on Showtime. And they got a nice little double header here. In the co-main, Tony Harrison was last in the ring last April against Bryant Perella and had a controversial draw. <clears throat> Some people felt Perella did enough to win that fight. He is going up against Sergio Garcia from Spain, who is coming off his only loss of his pro career, his first and only loss, to Sebastian Fundora last December. This, of course, is a junior middleweight fight, a 12-rounder. So that's an interesting matchup. And I think the winner of that fight, I'd love to see in against Tim Zhu later this year. I think that would be a great fight. So I want to see the Harrison-Garcia winner against Tim Zhu. That'd be really, really fun. And uh, right now for PBC, they have just riches at 147 and 154. And for whatever reason, everything they're doing at 147 is pay-per-view. And it's just, it's not really working out in terms of big, big ratings. And we're not getting the fights we want to see. But at 154, they're putting on a lot of good fights on regular showtime. You know, Charlo Castaño uh, is coming up. And I, I I just like what they're doing at 154. I wish they'd do that in every division, but hey, I'll take it. 154, this is good to go from PBC. Props to you guys. In the main event, Erickson Lubin going up against the uh, before mentioned Sebastian Fundora. Six foot five versus five foot nine. Lubin, of course, is a southpaw. A lot of people remember him being stopped by Charlo in 2017. Here's the thing. He is 6-0 since then, and he has beat some good fighters. Guys, this is a really good matchup. This is a fantastic matchup from PBC, and they don't normally match their young fighters this tough. So to see that, and for whatever reason they have with Erickson Lubin, I don't know why. Other fighters have been kind of protected that, that are his age, but they have thrown Lubin to the wolves early and often. And this kid, you know, he came up short once and he's been buzzed a couple times and stuff. And some people have questioned uh, his heart and his chin. I think he's proven he's legit. I like Erickson Lubin. He's an explosive puncher. He has shown that he could come back from a, a devastating loss. And he sh to me, he has shown real character for a young American fighter. Uh, I'm a fan of Lubin. I really, really am. And with Fundora, He's he's huge for that division. He's going to be punching down, but I, I I do think that Lubin's explosiveness, his quickness, being a southpaw, knowing how to get underneath punches, I think it's going to make a really really fantastic matchup, and I'm really looking forward to this one. If um, there wasn't this other fight going on in Japan, this would be the fight of the weekend. This would be the one we're all talking about. Um, but as it works out, 
this is going to be the one that's on prime time here in the United States Saturday night. So I'm going to be watching this one live. I really like this double header. And if you ask me to choose between the Garcia Tago fight, the, the Mayor Han fight, or the Lubin Fundora fight, it's a no brainer. In fact, I'd rather watch Harrison Garcia, the co main, more than Golden Boys or Top Ranks main event. That's just how I feel. This is a nice double header from PBC. Well done, guys. Um, give us more of these, please. I'll give you guys props when you do it right. Don't stop with the pay-per-views. Do this stuff more often. You guys will get more, more love. All right, let's go to Japan. Super Arena in Saitama, Japan. Um, this will be on zone, of course, in the United States. And this will be on various platforms all over the world. This is a big, big one. All right, uh, before I get to the main event, let's talk real quick about the co-main Junto Nakatani, 22-0, Southpaw, of course, from Japan, going up against countryman Ryota Yamauchi. And this will be the second defense of Nakatani's WBO flyweight title. So we're getting um, a good, I, I like this. This is a, this is a, it, it's a showcase kind of matchup for Nakatani, but I think it's smart of the promotion to put him on this sort of uh, event in the co-main in a showcase kind of matchup because uh, Yamauchi, I looked up his record, not very impressive. This is going to be a big, I think, knockout win for Nakatani there in front of the Japanese fans defending a flyaway title. Really, really smart to put him in the co-main here. I like that smart stuff in the main events. Gennady Golovkin going up against Ryota Murata. Golovkin 41, one in one 36 knockouts turning 40 years old Friday. So literally going to be, he'll be turning 40 as he hits the scales for this fight. That's, that's pretty interesting. And Murata 16 and two, he is 36 years old himself. He's no spring chicken, although he has a lot less tread on the tires. And he has 13 knockouts. And by the way, one of those losses uh, was a complete robbery to Hassam Innam. The other loss to Rob Brandt was legit. So Murata has two losses. One of them is complete nonsense. Just ignore it. But one of them is legit. He did avenge that loss. For Golovkin, of course, he has one loss and one draw. Both are disputed, especially the draw. Um, but we won't get into that for the 500th time. Okay. This is the second defense of Golovkin's IBF belt and Murata's WBA super belt. So technically this is a unification. However, I do need to say something here. Okay. I love unification fights. I, you guys know that I love them. We need more of them in boxing. However, I do have to mention Riona Murata has not fought since December, 2019 when he defended his WBA regular title against, uh, who was it? Steven Butler. Okay. So he has not fought in over two years, almost two and a half years. Somehow, while not fighting for two years, he was elevated from regular champ to super champ. So a lot of you guys out there that argue over the super champ versus the regular champ versus the interim champ, but, a lot of times you got to do your research before having those arguments because I, I hate when guys get elevated for something outside the ring. That's, to me, not the way this is supposed to go. So if you're going to criticize Devin Haney for getting an email belt from the WBC, 
you should be critical of Ryoto Murata getting elevated to super champ while not fighting for over two years. And that's what happened. So I, I do need to make that distinction. It, it's important, guys. We need to be fair and consistent with these things. Now, I get accused on Twitter of being biased. and blah. You guys watch this show. You know I'm consistent about this stuff. And to me, Murata's title kind of shaky. Okay, so this is technically a title unification. I get all that, but yeah, I don't know. It's not the same thing as to me. This is not the same thing as when Arthur Baturbiev and Joe Smith Jr. unified titles later this year. That's a true unification fight and a fantastic matchup. Anyway, I like this fight. I like it a lot. And also, I should mention, uh, Gennady Golovkin did not fight last year. He last fought in December of 2020 against Camille Zermeda. So Golovkin hasn't fought in almost a year and a half. Murata hasn't fought in almost two and a half years. Obviously, that's going to affect this fight. The difference, I don't think the inactivity is going to affect Golovkin as much. He is turning 40. He has a lot of tread in the tires. 350-some-odd amateur fights. It's well over 300, I know that. And now he's got over 40 professional fights. So, so when it's all said and done, dude's going to have over 400 total fights, right? That's a lot of tread on the tires, man. So him taking a year off and getting strong, he looks to be in great shape. Obviously, he's passed his best. He's faded. There, there's a little speed off the fastball. We all know that. But I expect Golovkin to look pretty good and pretty sharp in this fight. There's going to be a feeling out for a couple rounds. But then I think he's going to get to work. And I think he's going to look really good in those middle rounds. I expect him to look sharp. My question is, how much has he lost? How far from his prime is he? <clears throat> um, is he anywhere near the guy that we saw in the first, even the, se the second Canelo fight? I thought he looked a little worn out in the fight against Derevyanchenko. He kind of started to look just like a guy who was just wearing out and needed a break. He needed some time out, uh, time out of the ring. And he uh, was doing a high altitude training for like the whole camp and stuff. And I just think at his age, the way he's doing training now is smarter. He just got to Japan last week. And some people were questioning whether that was smart or not. And I remember asking Tom Loeffler about this like a month or so ago. And Tom told me this is how they were going to do it. And they did this strategically. Uh, they did this for a reason, okay? They feel comfortable doing it this way and um, basically putting the, the smallest load on Golovkin's body and his system as possible going into this fight. So I, I think that the layoff isn't really going to affect him much. Who I wonder about is Murata. Two and a half years out of the ring, guys. Um, and he's 36. And for a 36-year-old fighter to only have 18 pro fights, and Murata has had periods. I, there was a couple of periods during his amateur career where he was inactive. It kind of walked away from the sport for a minute, then came back. Um, so he's had these kind of ups and downs with, with uh, just, just activity. So I think this is going to affect him more. And I think that um, his... He's going to be a little sloppy early on. He's going to have some ring rust. And then I question his conditioning if this goes into the later rounds. So th this is set up 
for, I think, Golovkin to win possibly by late stoppage. That's just how I, that's my gut feel on this. I could see it going a number of ways. What I find interesting is that there's a lot of people out there. Um, I listened to a couple of the podcasts this week, you know, coming out. Um, they usually come out on Sunday, Monday. And there's a lot of people picking, and now I don't know why they're doing this, but they're picking Murata. And they say that some people are saying they're picking Murata because they don't want to see Golovkin fight Canelo a third time. I, Golovkin's just become uh, a divisive figure for people. He gets a lot of hate, and it's just it's very odd to me. And I've thought about this a lot. Now, some people hate Golovkin for reasons that have nothing to do with boxing, right? And those people are pieces of crap, and we're not even going to acknowledge them. But I do think there are people that are just that that are real, true, legit boxing fans. They're just kind of sick of Golovkin and the drama. Golovkin is seen as a sympathetic figure by a lot of fans and by a lot of media. He got screwed over by the Germans. He got screwed over by the uh, International Olympic Committee. If you go back to the Olympics, he should have a gold medal. He got screwed over in that gold medal match. Um, and he was told that it was going to happen. And I mean, it, it was crooked. Um, the German promoters screwed him over. Different sanctioning groups. At one point, the WBA, then later on, the IBF at one point screwed him over. Vegas screwed him over, right? So he's been screwed over a number of times, and he never really got that signature win that he deserved. And so there's a lot of fans that feel the need to stick up for him. And there's a lot of people in the media that see him as a sympathetic figure. They have a lot of sympathy for him. And I think that's maybe what bothers some, some of the haters about Golovkin. And they're just kind of sick of the, all the drama surrounding him and stuff. And they just are kind of ready to move on. I can understand that. And, and by the way, it really is, it goes in all directions. You can kind of say that sort of stuff about every star fighter that some of their fans annoy people because there are, there are people out there that will say, well, Golovkin's the best middleweight of all time. And he beats Carlos Monzon and Marvin Hagler on the same night. And my argument, my question to them would be based on what? Based on what? Well, he should have got the fight with Felix Sturm and he should have got the fight with Dmitry Pirog and he should have got the decision against Canelo. I know. I, I agree, right? He, he, he signed on for the Pirog fight. He wanted Felix Sturm when Felix, beating Felix Sturm meant something. He, he wanted Canelo for years and then he got ripped off. I, I get it, guys. I get it. But none of that means he's the best middleweight of all time, right? You have to keep things in perspective. You, you have to always keep objectivity. And so I, I think that maybe some of Golovkin's fans um, have just driven other fans crazy. I can understand those detractors. I get that. But there's just a lot of people out there that just seem to dislike Golovkin for things that have absolutely nothing to do with boxing. And they call him Bum Lovekin or Lil G, you know, all these weird names and stuff. I've just never understood those people. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be saying this for years, but Golovkin, when he first came to the States, the first three, four years he was here from like 2012 to like through 2015, when he, up until the point when he got the first Canelo fight, which was what, 2016, 2017? For that four or five year stretch, Golovkin showed how to build a brand almost overnight in American boxing. And he did it as a guy who has no ethnic contingency here in the United States to milk. Um, the, the dude is literally half Russian, 
a quarter Kazakh, a quarter Korean. How many of those people are walking around in America? There, there's no like town that has a neighborhood like that. You know, there's no, like you got Chinatown, you got little Italy, you got little, little Havana, you know, little Haiti, you got little neighborhoods like that <clears throat> all over America. But like a guy that's half Russian, a quarter Korean, a quarter Kazakh that doesn't exist. And within three years, he was like more popular than virtually every other American fighter in this era. And I think that really bothered people. And they almost have arrested development when it comes to uh, their understanding of, of how it happened because they, they just go to this visceral stuff and they, they go to things that are outside of boxing that really have nothing to do with it. This dude just fought four times a year for a couple of years, three, four times a year. He got in the ring and knocked everybody out. And then he did a ton of media work. I get messages from you guys all the time. Um, anytime Golovkin's about to fight, you tell me stories about how, you know, I saw Golovkin at the gym uh, taking selfies with kids. I saw Golovkin, uh, you know, signing autographs at, at this venue. I saw Golovkin at the fights walking around with Abel Sanchez, just shaking hands and taking pictures, right? He doesn't do that shit no more. But he did that for a few years to build himself up. And like, that's all... American fighters have to do. That's all they have to do. Um, so that that's why I just don't understand some of the hate the dude gets. And I, I always get accused of being a Golovkin defender, this, that, the other. Um, listen, I never rated Golovkin pound for pound number one. I thought it was ridiculous when certain platforms did. Not that I don't think he didn't have the potential to get there, because he did, okay? Had he gotten the fights he deserved, he probably could have got there. But he hadn't done it. He hadn't done enough in the ring to earn a pound for pound number one spot. So, you know, I, I've always remained objective about the guy. I do think he was the best middleweight in the world for several years, but um, he's probably the number one middleweight in the world right now at 40 years old. Uh, but by default, of course, because he hasn't fought the other top guys recently, but they haven't fought either. <clears throat> but he was never the pound for pound number one guy. He's not the greatest middleweight ever. And, it's hard for me to feel bad for Golovkin, even though he got screwed over by the system multiple times because the guy's made over $100 million. The guy has generational wealth. His grandkids will have FU money. So I can't feel bad when you've made that kind of cash. It sucks that you never got your signature win. And that does give the haters, you know, oh, little G, his best, his best win is Daniel Jacobs. His best win is actually Canelo Alvarez. Actually, his best win are fights that never happened because people ran from him. You know, I mean, Miguel Cotto paid him half a million dollars to not fight. Sergio Martinez wanted none of it. Um, I could go on and on. We, we've we've had these discussions a thousand times, and we'll have them a thousand more times, I'm sure, before it's all said and done. But I like Golovkin by late stoppage against Barata, and I think it's going to be a really fun atmosphere. I love when boxing uh, is international. By the way. I've been told that the ring walk will be around 7.30 a.m. in the morning. Now I'm being told it will be earlier than that. I don't know what to believe. But from what I've been told for weeks, it was going to be like 7.30, 7.40-ish. Now I'm being told it might be earlier. So as soon as I get a definitive answer, I'll let you guys know. All right. <clears throat> that is enough for, for that. Let us go to the phones. Let's keep these calls quick as we can, guys. All right. Um, let's get right to it today. Um, 
because I got a lot of calls lined up here. All right, let's jump to the first one. We've got 336 on the show. What's up? Yo, Mike. What's up, man? How you feeling? How you doing, man? (laughs) Shit, I'm breathing, bro. It's a good day. Uh, I barely am. (sighs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that about 20 years ago in New York. I just, yo, I fought it. I didn't take nothing. It took me about 10, 15 years to get over it. But, yo, I let my body deal with it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to do, man. Like anyway. everyone told me that. Yeah. yeah. So it's getting better, but it's man. Hard, but, yeah. Anyway, yo, Garcia's gonna win. It'll probably be a tougher fight than he thinks. Yeah. Golovkin's gonna win. Forget about it. It's gonna be a third Canelo fight. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, let's see what else. Boom, boom, boom. Clarissa Shields better stop fucking around. <laughs> Even though. They bigging up uh, Savannah Marshall, but she better stop fucking around. Coming in there serious, if and when they fight, uh, who else? Uh, I don't know. You just went through a whole lot of stuff that I concur with, anyway. Well, oh, well how no. you see the you Triple G fight, man? Huh? How you see the Triple G fight playing out? Is he gonna win? Uh, how is he gonna win? Yeah, uh, I don't know. It probably will be a late stoppage. Okay. Yeah, I concur, man. Triple G's gonna win that fight. Forget about it. Are, are you good with a third fight between him and Canelo? Like, are you excited for that, or are yes, you just yes, over it? Yes. Yeah, I want to see that third one. Okay. Step up. Let's do this. You know what I'm okay. saying? Let's do this. Fact. Yo. Anyway, that's how I feel. Okay. <laughs> All right. You on the record? Um, yeah. Yeah. Every day. Every way. Shit, if I say it, I said it. Boom. <laughs> I live and die by it, man. Shit. <clears throat> <Like> it. <laughs> Yo. They're loving you in the chat, BLT. <laughs> They're loving you in the chat, man. Jack Alter says, yeah, I extremely yeah. fuck with this caller. Man's a fucking legend. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron just Yo, goes, BLT. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, oh uh, damn! Like, you made me forget what I was. Ah, uh, my <laughs> bad, brother. My bad. Anyway, oh, Kiko Martinez. Kiko Martinez. That was a couple weeks ago, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know he lost that title to so, um. What was this guy? The guy named um, Warrington. You Warrington, right? That's the only way Warrington could have won that fight. He did exactly what he had to do to win that fight. Because if he didn't do that shit. He was going to lose. Mm. That boy almost went down off a fucking jab, son. Mm. People well, people forgot they didn't see that shit. That boy almost went down off a jab after he butted the shit out of him. Yo, man. But anyway, that's how it go. He did what he had to do. Boom, Kiko kind of fucked up. He should have, you know, did, did a little bit of a better um, fight. But anyway, you know, what it is what it is. Kiko getting old anyway, and, you know, maybe he's yeah. got a little more age than, at that time. But he did get busted up, and he, yeah, you know, he wore him out. He made sure he uh, expended a lot of energy early. Boom, boom, boom. His old man, bang, hit him up. Boom, 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 and that's it. Anyway, uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, yo. Um, other than that, I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that works, man. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, BLT. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, man. Take care. Uh, you too, man. Have a good week. Yeah. All right.
Uh, there he goes. Uh, let's let's keep it rolling. Uh, Burt Wood with a good comment here. He says uh, he's quoting Jack Dempsey. Uh, Dempsey said, I was knocked down plenty. I wanted to stay down, but I couldn't. I had to collect the $2 for winning or go hungry. I had to get up. Yeah, man, a hungry man is a dangerous man. That's what they say. All right, <clears throat> let's go to the next call here. 317, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Mike? Jack Alter. Jack, what's up? Hey, what's up? So that last dude, his name is BLT, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, that is the most fucking base caller in the, like, 300 episodes I've heard on the show. <laughs> like, this dude, well, like, dude, the Canelo trilogy will be extremely competitive. And this dude will be like, yeah, let's see. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, bro. I fuck with you. Because a lot of assholes. Dude, like, I was getting so pissed off just reading the chat. There's some asshole. I think you should mute him named uh, the boxing scientist who keeps saying, I hope Murata retires, Triple G. And he was like, he said some shit about bum love kids. Dude, if I see that dude real, I'm gonna fucking hurt him. Like, dude, fuck those people. <laughs> well, like, dude, you're like one of the biggest. A- no, no, I'm dead serious. You're like one of the biggest assholes on earth. Like, dude, fuck you. Like, actually, like it's not like it's not funny. That dude can suck my dick. He's such an asshole to some innocent. Well, I'm sure he's not. Well, he's just a nice fighter who's who's just trying to live his life. Like, like goddamn, fuck you, dude. Okay, anyways, uh, that dude can suck my dick and. <laughs> okay. okay sorry mike <laughs> okay so uh what i want to talk about is man that lubin pandora fight man i am so confident in lubin the odds aren't very wide like what like, are the odds the put, like, who's favored i i think it's like even or like slightly even okay favor so if I, if I bet like 50 bucks i won like 45 bucks mike i'm gonna put like a hundred dollars down i'm fucking serious all right Let's let's know how that goes. Dude, I, I I don't know, dude. Like like, I I I can see it going either way. I I honestly cannot pick that fight. I just can't. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was reading the chat. Are you are you reading the chat, dude? Uh, you're talking uh, to me, man. <laughs> Leave the chat alone for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, sorry, that's my ADHD, for example. But dude, I'm Fondora. Did you see his last fight? Yeah. I yeah, tricky lost. style. Uh, I, I mean, yep. it, it was a tricky style for him. I think Lubin will come to him. Uh, my thing is, can Lubin get underneath and land some hard shots to the body and slow him down, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. But um, what I wanted to talk to you, I had, like, a, a tab pulled up. Dude, wh- dude, who the fuck is, like, managing um, your with Gamboa? Who the fuck is managing him? Dude, I don't know. What kind of jerk all this with all these like elite prospects? Like, yeah, that dude, dude's been passed hell, around, dude? man. That dude's that dude's been banged more than Jada Pinkett. He's getting passed around, so I I don't get it. Keep my wife in my fucking mouth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, let Will try that shit. Dude. He ain't gonna try to shit with me. Uh, Will Simp. <clears throat> yeah, so. No, but dude, dude, that's like kind of sad. But anyways, uh, Triple G Murata, I just don't see much in Murata. I mean, he's a good fighter. But dude, Triple G, I know a lot of people said he slowed down, but I don't really think he has. I mean, you can say like the Gary Vinchenko fight, dude had the flu. The, the dude had the dude had the flu, and still he won like seven rounds to five with a knockdown. And still a prime Gary Vinchenko. Like Michael, real question. 
So you're like a 210 pound, like six four guy, right? Yeah. So do you think you could stop Barry Vincenco if you landed a punch on him? No, he's a pro fighter. I, I would never land a punch on him. I mean, you know. No, uh, no, if, if you did, because that dude is so strong. That dude was so strong. <clears throat> Triple G hit him with all of his punches. Cruiserweights literally couldn't hurt this dude. Like, like, for, like, dude, Derek Vincenco is such a monster, and Triple G managed to beat him. And the Steve Rolls, Steve Rolls, a good fighter. I thought he beat uh, Berlanga. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I thought he hurt Berlanga or beat Berlanga, I should say. And then the Zermeta fight. I know Zer, uh, Zermeta is not like that top of a fighter, but dude, he looked great there to me. He, he did, and that just might be the fanboy in me, but. Man, I still think Triple G has it. He doesn't, and like I said before on the show, um, he doesn't. He doesn't have a Roy Jones type style where he's athletic. He kind of fights more like a Bernard Hopkins in the fact that he mostly just works off of punches. He throws a lot of the punches too, but he mostly works on like uh, technique. Yeah, it's fundamentals, just fundamental boxing. So that's why he's been able to keep you know fighting at a high level at an advanced age. Um, but, you know, he did have some tough fights with uh, Canelo, with um, Derevyanchenko, as you mentioned. You know, it, those are those sorts of fights right now are going to have an effect on him, you know, because he's taking some punches. Uh, hopefully in this fight, you know, if you're a fan of Triple G, he doesn't have doesn't take those kind of punches and he could just wear Murata down and um, get him out of there, you know, because the Derevyanchenko fight, he took a hell of a lot out of Derevyanchenko. But Drevianchenko did land some shots. I mean, that was a brutal fight for Triple G as well. Yeah. Yeah, Drevianchenko is a tough dude. But you said it earlier how, like, uh, also, I'm really sorry for going off. I was specifically talking about someone on Twitter who I just encountered. So I'm really sorry, man, about freaking out like that. It's, it's all good, man. I, I get it. Um, I wonder if this boxing scientist guy is the fight doctor. A lot of his comments seem like the fight doctor. I don't know. Because <clears throat> I've seen that guy. Yeah. I remember after that one night where you uh, went up and talked to Bob Bennett. He, I think he was there the same night. He said to Triple G's face, he's like, I thought you lost eight to four. And I'm like, dude, you are such an asshole. Like, like honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's just like the rudest. <clears throat> there's just um, some, again, there's, there's a weird kind of visceral anger that certain fans have with Golovkin. I've seen, some of them have it with Lomachenko. It's really bizarre, but with Golovkin especially, um, again, I, I don't understand what fans are so mad at because the guy fought three or four times a year. He was exciting. He knocked dudes out. I'm not saying he fought a murderer's row of opposition. I never have. But it's not as if he was getting paid $10 million a fight for that. Man, when he Jack, when he was first fighting on HBO, Triple G was making like five hundred grand. Yeah, that's what that's what he was making. Yeah, he wasn't making millions of dollars. Yeah, there's there's guys right now on DAZN making millions of dollars to fight B level opposition and stuff for interim belts and things like that. So it's just weird, man. But anyway, sorry, you're you're supposed to be talking, not me. Yeah. <clears throat> not um, not your show, elite show. By the way, I was uh going back to some of your old episodes because you, you know i need some background noise sometimes and, you know <laughs> it's fun to go back that's cool uh, but it was i about to say yeah uh real quick about canelo bivel you know mike uh i like to do just like punch analysis like on my like 
like my computer, you, you know what I do for my channel, but sometimes I don't upload to my channel and I keep shit to myself because you, you don't want everyone knowing all the boxing secrets, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't want the some of the the secrets that fighters do going out there. You, you want to keep that shit to yourself. So I was watching Bibble fight, and I know people say he slowed down. Dude, when I was watching the Jean Pascal fight and the Joe Smith Jr. fight, he only engaged when these guys started engaging him first. That's what I noticed. And in his recent fights, these guys kind of really just stayed back from him, and they didn't go forward. The aggressive guys with Bivol are the ones who get in trouble. The aggressive ones. Okay. Can you see or have you not really noticed? Yeah, I can see that. I can see. I think with with Bivol, again, he's straight in and straight out. He just doesn't move a lot laterally. That that's going to work well against certain fighters, and it's going to it's going to be awkward against other fighters. So it's it's up to Canelo when they fight to kind of cut that down. Have I uh, got changed your mind yet about picking Bivol to win? Nah, I still think Canelo wins by decision. But you're on the record. You're on the record. So if it happens, you get to you get to call in and brag. <clears throat> yeah, no, no, I'm not gonna. Well, I'm just gonna tell people that Bivol's a fantastic fighter and Styles make fights. And you know what can you do? But also, I wanted to uh, get your. I was gonna say something, uh, Michaela Mayer. You're like she's not that attractive. That bitch looks like the wicked, the wicked witch of the West. <laughs> that big ass nose. I, hey, you said that no, not me. <laughs> you said that not me. Yeah, no, no. Right, Jack. No, but dude, I have. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll hurry up. You gotta wrap it uh, up, man. We got other calls. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Just the last thing I'm gonna say: the Clifton Shields uh, Savannah Marshall fight. Who you got in that? Because you didn't really like choose a winner. Right now, I'm not. I'm not going to choose a winner yet. I just. I think that's a distance fight, and it's really, really close. I haven't really thought about it that much. I just think people, you know, on Twitter are, are just overreacting, man, and they're all saying, "Oh, Marshall wins KO three. Oh, Shields wins KO five. Like, you're all wrong. Everyone, chill for a minute. That's all I'm saying right now. Yeah, man. Hey, man, you have a good rest of your show. Sorry for freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Hey, it happens to the best of us. All right, man. Fighters are worn. Yeah. All right. All right. There he goes. Uh, super chat from uh, Sam A. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, How can anyone not like Triple G when he's one of the few guys that has Mike Tyson type buzz when the fight starts? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not what it once was. You know, like I, I was there for that glove can ride in Los Angeles. I was around all that and I got, you know, I feel privileged to have been around all that. Um, but yeah, it's slowed down a bit. You know, it's kind of, you're looking at a, a past its prime version of that, that show, that big drama show. But I'm telling you guys, if you're watching at seven in the morning or whatever it is this weekend, when, um, Murata and Golovkin are fighting right before that opening bell, you're, you're going to feel the buzz and it, you know, it's going to be, uh, an event. The guy is a name and he's, he's built that name by being an exciting fighter. Can you guys name a shitty Golovkin fight? Seriously. Can you, let's just forget everything else. Have you seen a Golovkin fight that sucked? I don't think you can. Did you ever say, Oh man, Golovkin really stunk the joint out that night. Name one fight where that happened. 
Because I can say that about a lot of fighters, including a lot of my favorite fighters. All right, back to the phones. We got Nacho on the phone. What's up, Nacho? How you doing, man? All right, Mike. <clears throat> um, so I'm not going to take too long because I think most of the most of the stuff you covered, I mean, it, it, it's kind of, it's always tough coming off a weekend when there's not a whole lot of action going on. And then, you know, you're previewing the fights that are coming up the, the, right. you know, the following weekend. So, yeah, I'm just going to kind of just talk about the ones coming up. Um, I agree with you. I think the best fight <clears throat> out of uh, the, uh, I, I, well, not the best fight, but probably if the other fight, the Murata Golovkin fight was going on, it's the best fight of the weekend, which is Lupin Fundora. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be a real interesting fight between the two two guys. Like you said, um, Lubin was kind of written off by a lot of people after he got beat by Charlo. And a lot of people just kind of thought he was an overhyped prospect. But he spent the last few years kind of gradually building himself back up again. And now <clears throat> he's uh, he's on the cusp of being a legit, you know, title threat at, at 54. And Fundora... Um, you know, he's just a freak of nature. I've never seen a guy that huge at yeah. 154, but he, but he is vulnerable as far as he, when he engages, he's very open to getting hit with shots. He doesn't see coming like he did against, uh, Jorge Cota. And then, you know, and then against Garcia, uh, Sergio Garcia, he did <clears throat> struggle with him at times. So he was made to look very, ordinary and i'm just curious to see the fight i i'm i really don't have a prediction either way i think that fight is a legit toss-up i think it could go either way because you can kind of make the case for either guy winning but you can also see um you know them possibly losing as well so i think it probably goes the distance if i had to pick i think maybe lubin ends up winning a decision uh a close one but i think he might win a decision um, the other fight is good too that you talked about Harrison and Garcia. I think it all depends on what Tony Harrison has left because it's been a while mm -hmm. since Harrison has been in the ring, and he's always been kind of an up and down type fighter to me. Yeah. As far as like, I agree. He gets up for the big names. He gets up for the big names, but then he against guys that are not big names, he kind of tends to fight down to the level of his competition. Yep. So I mean, maybe Sergio Garcia isn't a big name. But he's a legit guy, and I hope he's not going to walk in there and take him lightly. Um, I expect Harrison to win that fight, but like I said, you just never know with Harrison. It all depends on how motivated he is to go out there and perform. But that should be a good fight. Um, <clears throat> with Golovkin, Murata, I've already said my predictions before. I think Gennady is going to take him in the deep waters, and I think he stops him late. I think Murata is going to hang for as long as he can, but I think eventually... Uh, Golovkin will get him out of there. I think I could see him stopping him in like nine, maybe ten before that fight's over. And, you know, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily all that thrilled about the, the prospect of a Canelo fight because I would have loved to have seen him fight him a couple of years ago still when he was still a little younger. But, you know, eh, it, it is what it is at this point. The business of boxing has kind of forced it to be where – Golovkin is 40 years old when he finally gets the third fight. So, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. Um, and the other two cards, <clears throat> I just really only care about certain fights on those two cards. Uh, Ryan Garcia, 
I expect him to win that fight. It's more of a showcase because I've seen Togo fight. He's a decent fighter, but I don't think he's an elite level guy. Yeah. I think he's just, he's maybe a, a notch above average. So I think Golden Boy knows what they're doing. They're trying to build Garcia's uh, hype up again by getting him a guy who might give him a test, but I think they expect Garcia to get him out of there. And, and I think he will. I think he'll probably, you know, measure the guy out for a few rounds, just kind of get his the rust off. And then eventually he'll probably stop him in about eh, seven, maybe eight. But I think that's what this is, is a showcase fight uh, for him. And then on the other card, like you said, Mike, I'm not a huge fan of, of you know, women's boxing. So I really have no rooting interest in, in the mayor Han fight. If anything, I just care about seeing um, the, the guys on the undercard, like uh, Giovanni, Giovanni Santillan is fighting yep. on the undercard. <laughs> I, I want to see him, see how he progresses, because I like the way the kid fights, and I, I think he could be a legit contender uh, maybe in about another year if everything goes right. And then uh, the Maloney the Maloney brothers, I think, are fighting on the undercard. Yeah, both of them are on the Although they're just kind of like, yeah, they're just kind of stay busy fights. But, you know, I always, I don't mind watching them fight. They're, they're fun guys to watch, you know, do their thing in the ring. And then uh, El Venado's fighting on the undercard of that one as well. He's like, you know, got kind of put in there last minute. So, you know, that's another guy. Um, I definitely will watch the uh, undercard for that. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of boxing, but not a huge amount of significant fights. But, you know, I'll still be watching anyway because, you know, I, I don't really have much else going on. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Uh, all right, Mike, that's my call. All right, Nacho. Enjoy him, brother. We'll talk about right, him next week, man. Thanks. All right. Yeah, for sure. All right. <clears throat> all right. And we got... Uh... Keep it rolling here, man. Some of you guys in the chat, man. It's it's funny. Like, I'm I'm just looking in the chat, and you guys are arguing about Triple G, and one of you guys who, again, I I think it's an alt account, um, is just going on and on and on about how Triple G sucks and and this that the other, and um, it, it's just really, man. I, I just I've seen other fighters drive fans, you know, d- divide fans like this before, but. It's uh, it's very, it's just different with Golovkin. It's very interesting, and I don't quite know how to put it. I, I, some of it is, uh, related to things outside the ring, um, but, um, it, I don't know. It's just unique. I'm just looking at you guys arguing about this shit. It's just crazy to me. <clears throat> anyway, back to the phones. All right, two one zero. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, what's up, Mike? It's Rod down here in uh, San Antonio, fight week. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're down there in San Antonio. You're going to the fights, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head. I should have bought tickets earlier. But, uh, yeah, I kind of miss being on the beat. I used to work uh, actually on the scene. Uh, uh, but, no, it should, be, it should be interesting. Like I said, they ha- like I said before, they have this huge annual festival. It's called Fiesta. It's like the Mardi Gras San Antonio. It's like Mexican style. And they did this with Canelo when he fought Trout. And uh, they, they, I think they did pretty good because of it. You know, they had the weigh-ins and pretty much around the festivities. Uh, parking's going to suck. They got a, a, what is it called? a carnival right in, in the parking lot of the Alamo Dome. But I don't know where people are going to park. Luckily, <laughs> I stayed like just right smack in the middle of downtown. So 
uh, yeah, it should be interesting. You know, I just, just want to see some live fights. I'm, I'm more excited about a couple of local guys. And the I like the matchup with Rosado versus Shane Mosley. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that one? That's going to be fun, man. That's an interesting, like, crossroads fight um, where – I mean, you got to favor Rosado just because of the experience factor, you know, but you just never, you never know. Cause he is an old fighter that's been in there and a lot of wars. So I think that's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah. These are my favorite fights because neither one of them is perfect. When you get perfect fighters in the ring, they usually don't make an exciting fight. You know, True, yeah. so these are the type of fights where you know, so you know, that's going to deliver, you know, I don't think it goes the distance, but I, I did want to, go backtrack i know it's been a while but I, I i didn't hear you talking about it i wanted to get your reaction to the mike tyson jamal charlo interview did you see that one no i heard like some excerpts of it like on twitter and stuff like that but uh because i know uh tyson didn't tyson like have some like tough words for charlo oh my god i'll write on the spot call me <laughs> up there to beat it and Charlo, you could tell, was bothered. He kept bringing up Benavides, calling him the Mexican monster. And he, the, his, his reaction was uh, something like he was, he's not worth enough or whatever. And right. Tyson's like, oh my God, you know, and it's just, he put him on the spot. It was great. I mean, uh, I, I, I listened to it twice. It was awesome. He kept bringing him up. And he's like, well, you guys need to fight each other. If you're going to wait on Canelo, if he's not available, well, who fight the next guy? I mean, he really put the, put the pressure on him. And Charlo took a lot of heat for for like a week straight of just, wow, like it's just, he just doesn't want that fight. Um, but it, but that's why, you know, Tyson, he doesn't have to really sugarcoat anything. You know what I mean? So he just went straight at it. So I know he had Benavides on there before, and he said he, he's always been a fan of Benavides. And, yeah, I, I just thought that was hilarious. you got to watch that. But uh, I'll find that. Yeah, no, cool. I just, uh, I, I, yeah, I just uh, yeah, I didn't know what what was covered so far, and I, um, you know, like Nacho said, not really a too crazy a fight. I think we know what's going to happen. Golovkin's going to be interesting, just to see how he looks. You know, I think he's going to win, but just to see how he wins um, is going to be interesting. And too, as far as I all the back and forth, it's all racial, man. I'm I'm sorry, man. I know I feel bad for you in a way because because you're a white guy, right? You gotta. You can't say. You can't say. You can't say certain things. You know what I mean. You can't say certain things. You can't come off a certain way. Uh, you know, cause you gotta almost tiptoe around stuff because then you get labeled. You know, it's just it's crazy how that works. But I'm Hispanic, right? So I, I go hard at the Canelo boys. You know what I mean? And I just it, it's embarrassing, especially when he was doing the whole catchweight thing, uh, dropping the belt of 55, the whole stalling out Triple G. I was always a Triple G guy. And but it's just oh man I just I, I it's just sad but luckily they're the minority even though they they seem like they're more because they're the most loudest right they're the loudest but, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got a tough you've got it tough man I'm telling you because like it's like the tables have turned and you you, you gotta like watch what you say and I, I feel for you I feel for you Mike it sucks man I mean look, look but, it, it, to, I want to make something clear like I don't walk around I I don't. This, this is going to be this is going to be controversial, but I, I don't look at myself as a white guy. My father is Latin and my mother is Eastern European. Um, they're from Europe, but that's their hair. You know, my, my, so my dad's Italian and my mother's like uh, Ukrainian, but that's Latin and that's Slavic. And so I like I have a definitive culture that uh, I was raised with and stuff. So like I, I don't. I kind of see myself more that way. Um, and I understand that it's 
Caucasian or whatever, <clears throat> but I have an actual culture and a heritage. So, and I grew up in a very, uh, very unique way um, in different types of neighborhoods and things like that. So I, I've been influenced by a lot of different cultures. And so, you know, I, I could talk with my friends and my family uh, about real issues and stuff, but you're right, man, like, like publicly, um, you know, uh, we're in this weird place where like, we're not allowed just to talk about things um, in, in an honest way. It, it, it makes conversations difficult. It just does. And I got beat up this weekend on, on Twitter, man. There was a, a few guys that went after me on Twitter and said all this nasty shit about me. And I'm just like, damn, dude, like, it's it's almost a tactic they use to bully people into silence, bro. They just don't want people talking about shit in a real way, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just keep your head up. You know, that, it's just a sign that you're you're making waves because you know the, you know how it goes. The more waves yeah, you make, the yeah, more people of course. are going to speak up against you and want to talk shit. That just comes with the territory, you know what I mean? So, but no, no, I just appreciate the show, and I'm just kind of looking forward to the fight week uh, this week. I, well, yo, I, let, me, let us know. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just I, I always want to hear from you guys. Like, if if you actually end up going, please call in and let us know just how the atmosphere is, and you know all that kind of stuff. Because I always love hearing from you guys, um, just how the venue was, you know how the how the seats were, how the views were, like the sight lines, and just like how the atmosphere and everything is there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'll, I'll tweet out some videos. Um, you know, I, I, I used to I used to love. I kind of miss doing that, but then I don't. With, yeah, with I hear you. Kind of thing, but um, I hear you. But but no, it, it, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely put that out there. When I was looking for seats last night, um, I did notice I should have went earlier. Like I had to go a little bit higher. Like the, the way the Alamo Dome is seated, it's seated more for a football setting. So I was hoping they would have it with a first place, more of a smaller venue, tighter venue, uh, as far as better sights. But it's the the bleachers kind of go back. You know what I mean? Like, like a football style. So okay, you're further away, back. You know what I mean? So I'm like in the middle. Uh, so it, it's good to see. I'm pretty hyped because I saw all the the floor seats were all sold out. Pretty much all the uh, the upper level up uh, halfway through is all sold out. So I'm I'm excited about. It. I think it should, I think it should be pretty fun. You know, it's just it ain't a matchup like it ain't a crazy matchup, but uh, but it, it's you know it's live boxing. You know what I mean? We all we fight week comes we're we're in. Yeah. San Antonio is is a fun, uh, fun town. And there's good fans down there in Texas, man. It should be a fun atmosphere, bro. So enjoy yourself, man. Yeah. And the one thing I do wish that I would have saw, I ran into Joshua Franco, you know, the band brother down here on the Riverwalk. Um, And I was like, Hey man, how come you're not on this card? And he's like, I don't know. It's a good kid, you know, but I was like, man, Oscar should have had you here. Should have capitalized, you know, should have been hometown kid on the card. It was just, I don't, I don't understand all that, but that's just. That's I 100% that's agree that's with you, man. Like, I, Golden Boy, I, I, I am struggling to understand what the fuck they're doing right now. I, I just truly am. Yeah, it's just it's, they're they're still rebounding from uh the you know the loss they took with the PBC, which honestly, hindsight, I blame Al, but I, I love Richard Schaefer, bro. That was Richard yeah, Schaefer. Well, was, oh, okay, yeah, it was Richard Schaefer. But honestly, Oscar was on a binge. Yeah, he was. You know, he wasn't. You know, he fell asleep at the wheel. And if I was a fighter, I'm like, ah, you know what? I there's a businessman who made Floyd Mayweather the richest ever. Maybe I should. So I kind of don't. I kind of put that on Oscar. You know what I mean? He of course. Fell asleep at the wheel. I agree. And then Canelo leaves. 
you know, and now so Oscar got to save from his own medicine because he left Bob. And it's funny how the tables turn. Now we're going to see if Tank's going to leave Floyd. I mean, people always want to blame promoters, but it's, it's funny because they all get the taste of their own medicine at the end of the day. But, uh, yep. but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let you go. I don't want to take up too much time, Mike, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated on uh, all right, man. Twitter or whatever. Definitely. All right, cool, bro. Have a good one, man. Enjoy right. the fights. Yeah, Sam A in the chat says uh, Canelo is the whitest guy on earth. <laughs> Look, man, I'm just going to say this, guys. Uh, Trey says time for a white off. <laughs> Race, ethnicity, nationality, and self-identity are all very different things. And this shit is really complicated. What's funny is Canelo obviously is a Mexican, right? He's from Mexico. Doesn't get more Mexican. But if Canelo took 23 and me, his ancestry is from Europe. So Mexican isn't a race, it's a nationality. But many people in America treat it like a race. So you get into all these gray areas and all this, you know. And all I do is just try to tell the truth about some of this stuff because uh, I've studied a lot of it because I find it kind of fascinating because um, I wanted to know more about me and, and, how we all got here. And you guys don't know that my wife is uh, from a different part of the world than I am. Um, and we plan to have kids one day and that, you know, there's going to be a lot of conversations we have to have with our kids. So um, <clears throat> yeah, I just find some of this stuff interesting. It's just interesting um, to me how stupid and ignorant most Americans are when it comes to all this stuff. Anyway, we're going to, we're going to go back to the phones and go to Ireland and uh, see. All right. Uh, Ireland, you are on the show. What's going on? Yo, how's it going? What's how up? Doing, is this Mark? Yeah, all good. Yes. Mark, holy shit. I haven't heard from you in a long time, brother. How you doing, man? Yeah. Hey, pretty good. I've been busy, and whenever I try to try to get, sometimes I try to get on the line, like today. But normally, because I have to call the UK number from Ireland, so either way, it's an international call. Oh, uh, okay. That was minutes, but I'm not able to get onto the damn thing. Because of how long it goes on, I was actually waiting there between two calls for forty-two minutes. Just to get oh shit! Today. Sorry, man. We had a lot of calls today. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of people have dropped off and stuff. So, yeah, we just had a lot of calls, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, um, you know, what's with all the hate towards Golovkin Morata as a fight? I mean, I, I, I'm really lost for words because you can correct me if I'm wrong, right? But if I'm not mistaken, this is the first ever unification between two Asians at middleweight. Right? Say what? It's the very first oh. unification between two Asian players at middleweight, right? Um, I, I guess, as far as I know, yeah. Because um, yeah, uh, Kazakhstan it is. is an Asian country, and that's where Golovkin's from, and obviously Murata's from Japan. So yeah, I, I think that in terms of Two Asian nationality fighters uh, unifying belts, uh, yeah, at middleweight, yeah, that's that's historic. If you if you count the WBA, which you know, again, I'm a little uh, on the WBA mark. They elevated Murata. He hasn't fought in about two and a half years. I I agree with you. They probably shouldn't have elevated him, right? But let let's keep it like this, right? So the regular title is unifiable if there's no super champ. If there's no super chance, right? So they weren't going to instate anybody anyway. So it doesn't matter. 
Yeah. He would have been the record most WBA champ. Yeah, you're right. I can live with that. So that 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 part doesn't really matter too much. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have, but what were they gonna do? Give Selecki the title? It's middleweight, Mike. It's middleweight. <laughs> There's nothing happening. That's true. They can't actually do anything in that position. what? Give it to you. They have to elevate somebody. Even if he's an active, okay, he's he's their active champion. I feel when people talk about like, okay, so Pacquiao, he got stripped, but Marate, he gets elevated, right? So, but it's two different divisions with two different clients, and there are two different situations going on. Either way, like the Pacquiao situation is bullshit, but Marate would have been the recognized WBA champion either way. Just like remember when Chocolatito moved up and Kazuto Ioka, he was the recognized WBA champion for a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. At 108. Yeah. Back at 108. So those situations do occur with the WBA. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because it's the first time two Asians unify admittedly. And it's arguably the biggest fight to take place in continental Asia of all time. Arguably. That I agree it's with. I agree with you. I, I've been telling people that since this, this fight's been discussed for two freaking years. I mean, this goes back to COVID. Um, they've been talking about doing this forever. And I've been telling everybody, this is the biggest event in Japanese boxing history. It is. Well, been, people have actually been talking about these guys pointing each other since 2017. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because so, they were a wave apart in terms of, they were a couple ways apart in terms of Olympic success and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And there were even rumors not too long ago that Golovkin was actually going to fight a ski Falcao. Uh, to help hype up the Morocco fight in Japan because Falcao, he was the Olympic final for Morocco. So okay. the Japanese audience, he was a notable name. So that's why he was kind of part of that. So it, it, it's really interesting to me. Right? And a lot of people, they're just shitting on this damn fight. They're just crapping all over it because the guy they want in the fight, yeah, isn't there. But the guy they want in the fight, Andres, they want to fight Golovkin, right? Or Charlo, they want to fight Golovkin. Andre's moving up to 168, and Charlo's fighting Celeste. Charlo's last fight was Montiel, and Charlo was only interested in a Canelo fight anyway. So what the hell are they talking about? I completely agree. I completely agree. The, the problem, Mark, and I'm, I'm just going to say it, as an American, I think a lot of people hating on this fight are American fans. And they're, American sports fans are the most ethnocentric on earth because they forget in a sport like boxing, it's a global sport. And this is a big event over in Japan. Murata is a superstar over there. He's a star fighter. And Golovkin, of course, is Golovkin. This is going to do big numbers over there. I'm predicting it's going to do over 20 million views in Japan. Uh, easily. Easily. The the total combined viewership of this fight is going to be over a hundred million. There are going to be, if you include replays and everything else, uh, it's going to have massive global viewership. It's going to have a sold out arena there in Tokyo. uh, One of the biggest markets in the world. I mean, this is a big deal just because it's not happening in America and it's not two American fighters. Doesn't mean it's not a big deal. I mean, I know some of my friends. My friends are talking about this fight. And they're 
casuals. They don't mm. like jack-in-the-box. What they're talking about. Like, people who I work with. Uh, I was talking to a guy who's half Japanese, right? And he's been talking all week about how Marat was going to kill Triple G. Um, and he's hyped as hell. <laughs> when I say kill, I mean knock him. Right? <laughs> like, he's hyped the fuck up. And so, like, all of his family, they're, they're going to be waking up, having breakfast, all this stuff. Just, I'm watching that fight live as it's going on. And they're trying to tell everybody, it's getting some hype. It's getting some damn hype, and it should. But in Asia specifically, it's monstrous. Yes. It's bigger than anything going on this weekend in America. By far bigger. Whether people in America or the UK or whatever audience you're from, you look at these guys as being too relevant. I mean, Golovkin hasn't fought in, in a little bit. Maratha hasn't fought in nearly three years, right? right. So his relevance to us is probably low because we like activity and we're, we're people of the now and what's going on right now. That's a good point. But the reality of it, the reality of it is, is that it's a huge voice today. So enjoy it while it's there. And by the way, Golovkin, aggressive player. Maratha, aggressive player. One, one's old, one's kind of old, one's very inactive, one's a bit inactive. That spells knocking. Enjoy. Exactly. Enjoy it. Exactly. And enjoy the undercard. Because every fight on the undercard, the Ito fight, his opponent is super aggressive. And Nakatani, he's fighting uh, Yoshida. Mm-hmm. Yoshida, not the greatest fighter, super aggressive. Knockouts. You're going to get knockouts, you're going to get blood, you're going to get gore on that Japanese card. You're going to have a lot, a lot of fun watching. And then it will go into your night of boxing over there and everything like that. So, for me, I think the weekend's brilliant, Mike. And I want to ask you a question. What's the damn point in Golovkin going up and pointing Canelo if he's already on a fixed contract? What's the point of him fighting Canelo a third time? Yeah, if he's already on a fixed contract. He already gets the same. He's not going to get any extra money for fighting Canelo. No, he will, though. He will. The The contract was renegotiated. As far as I understand it, the contract, there, there's different tiers, and he's going to get more money for Canelo. There's going to be international oh. money involved. Okay. That's if Canelo beats B-Ball and he beats Morata. Yes. And I'm not too confident on either. I'm picking Golovkin to beat Morata. Late stoppage, round 10 or 11. But Bivol and Canelo has me trying for a loop. Hmm. Because I feel where you're coming from, Mike. Canelo on points. And I know why you're going that way. It's not just about skill. Right? Mm-hmm. You and I both know. Everybody in the chat knows. Yeah. The fourth wall in boxing. The fourth wall, the eight-third <laughs> wall. The, the, the devil's advocate that we can't talk about but the fact that Golovkin can win a fight 10 rounds fucking two and end up with a draw or Mayweather can whitewash you and TJ Ross gives you a 14-14 scorecard yep. that's the type of shit we're talking yep 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 so I feel where you're coming from so I don't know if he wins that boxing match that's interesting man because you know I, I trust your you're somebody that, you know, I know really breaks things down and thinks about things logically. And, and you know, I, I don't know if you heard earlier, but you know, Jack, one of the callers, he he's been screaming to everybody that Beaver's going to win this fight. Um, and uh, you're saying that as well. That's interesting. Uh, there are a few people out there 
that's um, definitely like Beevil. I just, I can't go against Canelo in Vegas. And I just don't think Beevil is going to hurt yeah, exactly. or drop or stop I'm Canelo. I'm not saying Beevil will win. I'm not saying Beevil will win. I don't think Canelo will win. I see what you're but saying. Maybe the judges. Maybe well, the judges. Maybe that's what I'm saying when I say Canelo decision. You know, I'm just going to leave it there. I actually think if you want to be a bet bad, bet somebody on the draw. Hmm. Hmm. God, a draw would just be so nasty. Oh. oh, a draw would be just a disaster for that fight. Because they want to they go to that third fight with Golovkin. That's going to make a shitload of money. Um, believe it or not, that's still Golovkin and uh, Canelo for the third fight. That's a huge fight in Mexico. There's big demand for that fight in Mexico. I've heard uh, from several different people. So um, that's going to – a draw would just – wouldn't be good. It messed that up. <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, Mike. I hope you enjoy the weekend. And by the way, upset alert this weekend, but it's not gonna be an upset. Ryan Garcia is gonna get embarrassed by Emmanuel Tagal. And Tagal is gonna get robbed blind. Really? Blind. All right, you're on record. Robbed blind. Okay. Robbed blind. Outside Outside of a puncher's chance to go out boxing back flat with a book over. Interesting. All right. Hey, listen, if you, you're on the record, so if that happens. They gave Mason Maynard. They gave him a fucking draw on the cards against the goal. That's true. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> they gave him some good level treatment by comparison, and that's Mason Maynard. That's so, a really good point. Know. <clears throat> and we also seen like what's his name Sugar 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 Sean uh, Garcia he had a robbery on the Ryan Garcia undercard against Luke Campbell remember he had a robbery win that night himself oh yeah on the week. Campbell card yeah you're right yeah. so hmm the plot thickens man I think Ryan's going to take it on points but it's a robbery interesting I had not considered that hmm Anyway, appreciate you letting me call in. Uh, it's been a while. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, man, it's great to hear from you, Mark. Great call as always, man. Take care, Mark. All right, brother. There he goes. I, you know, I hadn't considered that. Listen, if Togo beats Garcia and gets robbed, I'm going to have a rant next Monday. And we're going to have to give Mark his props. All right, guys. Uh, awesome show, man. Great calls. And, and several of you guys jumped off the line. I'm sorry. We had a lot of calls. And uh, some of you guys just gave up. I understand. Couldn't get to all of them, but good stuff. Um, so, yeah, we got a loaded weekend. If I could do a show Friday, I will. If not, guys, we'll be back Monday. All right. Enjoy the fights, everybody. I'm going to go blow my nose. <laughs> this damn pollen. Uh, I hope it's over soon. All right, guys. I'll see you at the fights. <laughs>